Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I wasn't finished with sound check. Really? Yeah, I was. I was doing some coughing for the check the levels. Glenn is very serious about his coughing. Mm-hmm. It's one of his favorite things. It's really the only reason he does the podcast. Yep. So he can get in some nice artistic coughing every week. Yep. Mm-hmm. Feel like I'm the best. Also joining us, a man who apparently doesn't cough as well as Glenn, Jed Burr, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'd like to surrender my introduction time to Glenn for additional mic checking. <laughs> okay, so last week, Glenn and Jed are doing fake instrument noises, right? Um, which was confusing to the listener yeah. and off-putting, but big gestures. And now sure. we're just hacking, hawking loogies into the mics. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week when Jed and Glenn just rub their mics together. Here's my favorite minutes. thing. You, you just said something funny about us, and Jed silently yeah, laughed very hard at that's that. That's what I did. Well, I the way that no him. one can hear on the podcast. Yeah, I'm enjoying uh, it. My uh, laughter's a gift for me. <laughs> well, I was accusing you of something that was very true. Yeah. So that, that breathes that kind of thing. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. If I'm not as good at coughing as I should be, it's because no one else on the podcast is allowed to be sick. Besides Glenn. Mm. That's true. That's true. We should be clear. These are not sickness coughs. This is not this is not coughing with a purpose. This is one time years ago when we had a new mic, Jed, in order to set the level on it, said, Glenn, why don't you cough into that for me so I can tell if we're peaking or not. Right. And since then, every single podcast recording, Glenn has insisted on a very significant uh, coughing regimen. That's right. Yeah. The lengthy, it really gets them in the headspace. Yeah, it, it's a long, lengthy, long, long coughing fit. Yeah, to make sure the levels are right, even though Jed is actually not setting the levels at that point. Yeah, no, the levels were set long ago. Yeah. Well, based on that intro, believe it or not, there are fans of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yep. Seems unlikely. Shocking to all who, of us. Who as would well. like this? Yeah, I but, don't know. Not only do we have fans, I'll have you know that some of us have very talented fans. Ooh. We have some fans. We've, we've had many fans who have uh, drawn us wonderful things and committed their uh, vocal talents or instrumental talents to uh, projects that Jed has been on. We've had people uh, create graphics for us and all sorts of cool stuff. And But for the first time ever, I believe we have... Some super fan collaboration. Wow. Oh, yes, we do. Wow. And Jed is the, is, the, is the instigator of this uh, project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the super fan band we have going on here? We have... I, I feel like I need to declare an emergency here, gentlemen. Is it? Is it actually an emergency, It's Jed? an emergency to me, Glenn. Well, I'm not sure. Will you, will you permit me to declare an emergency? Uh, I declare a provisional emergency on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've got an emergency. Here's what we're dealing with, people. We've got a super fan band. What? What? We've got a band composed of super fans, plus it rhymes and it's fun to say. Here's what we're dealing with. We got three dudes. Super fan band. We're banned. We got my buddy Tommy from Seattle. We got my buddy Alexander from Dallas. And we've got our own and my buddy Pete Lawson here from the bridge in Mission USA. Where's he from? Wheaton. Ah. Wheaton. I noticed you, you you aspirated the H on that. Peter from Wheaton. 
Actually, I can do better. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, Ray, the P and the... Was that better? <clears throat> I enjoyed it more. Okay, so we've got a super fan band, three super cool dudes, very talented. Tommy's a great vocalist. Uh, Alexander's just a great arranger and instrumentalist. And Pete is actually a very gifted rapper. Oh. He's a good rapper. Uh-huh. Um, they have put together just the most cool, amazing, kind of vaguely Ed Sheeran-y kind of acoustic version of the old hymn, Standing on the Promises. Wow. We're actually going to close out today's episode with that. You can hear it. But there's, here's the emergency. As much as I enjoy saying super fan band over and over again. Super fan band. Super fan band. <laughs> that may not be the best uh, name. Sounds like a beer commercial from the <laughs> 90s. Yeah. So I think we need a name for our super fan band. Okay. Other than super fan band. I'm uh, quickly uh, becoming completely devoted to super fan band. <laughs> That's, it's just fun to say. Well, it, it, it is fun to say. Also, it, it tastes great and it's less filling. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's delightful. Something about twins. We were yeah. all alive in the late 90s. Okay, so here's the thing. We need we need a name. Now, right. Superfan Band is good. Right. But I feel like we can do better. You want something to compare it to. I, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. right. I want something with, you know, some some snap, some crackle, some pop, right, you right, know, right, some right, sizzle. Right, right. Any right, other so. cereals? I want something that has, like, Metamucil in it. <laughs> wow. I, there was a lot of directions when I was expecting that joke to go. <laughs> we, that wasn't so one of them. Jed has you're exposed his age at this point. You're specifically <laughs> saying something with a high fiber account. Yes, it, that's it, exactly you know. what I'm saying. Uh, oh, you too, dear listener, will one day get to a point where fiber yeah. content is a thing you must become wary of. Fish pills! All right, given that, Lee... I'm Wait, ju- you're suggesting fish pills be the name of the band, and I'm with you. All right, we've got fish pills. Sure. <clears throat> Not a, a bad option. What's up? With a PH. With a PH. <laughs> Brother Younger, you have been a part of many bands. It's You've played in them. True. You've advised them. Help us out. Our current, we've got the Say That Super Fan Band, and right. we've got Fish Pills with a PH. What do you got? Well, Bring it. I think it's one thing that you that you need to look at is when you're looking at kind of a, a, a super fan band from a Christian podcast, there's got to be like a really great way to have a Christian band generator. Christian band name generator, you know, so like you get, you know, stuff out of the Old Testament you find in in various Psalms and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like the cords of death, the torrents of destruction. These are kind of, these are your like heavy metal Christian bands. Right. Yes, definitely. You know, or you can, you know, you, you can kind of try to keep it more positive, you know, just the, uh, you know uh what you said it was Bobby Pete and and uh and and, and Alexander Tom yeah. Tommy, Tommy Pete Tommy. and Alexander so you could just kind of go with Tommy and the Epistles or something yeah, that's like good. that that's I mean good. It, Tommy and the Apostles Tommy and the Apostles Epistles Apostles yes yeah I like Take that yeah, you, along those lines, we're getting of, sacrilegious early on this one. I like it. Well, yeah, you know, sort of uh, uh, the the name band generator of sort of the 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 uh, earnest indie kind of yeah, thing yeah. where you tick like uh, uh, a Old Testament person, okay. yeah, and then a feeling, yes, just like Ezekiel's lament, yes, yes, nobody knows what that means, like that but it's, right. you know, yes. Yep. Just a just a just a name and a feeling. You yeah. Know? Now I think we can kick even that up a notch because we know the two words that the Christians really like: collective, right? The Ren Collective, United, right? Hillsong United, Ezekiel's Lament, United Collective. 
I liked it. Can we throw the word crusade in there? <laughs> I think no, that's no, great. That's no, no. not, not good. Throw that in there. That's not Pretty? good writing anymore. Other people tried it. Yes. So we have Ezekiel's Lament. We have Methuselah's Angst. Matt, what else do you have for us? Let's see. Just off the top of my head. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Glenn's Happy Good Time Gospel Hour. Oh, I like that a wow, lot. Wow, I... You know, I don't think we can beat that. No, that's, that's pretty good. So good, we that, might even want to save that for another project. That's well, how that's good true. That is. Okay, we'll we'll throw them out here. We'll see what we can do here. Um, I think under protest. Is that's a good. very good name. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, yeah. I think we can do the. Uh, you know, they there was a there's a band, an indie band from many years ago called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Okay, but the joke mm-hmm. of that is there was not a guy called Edward Sharp. Sure, was mm-hmm. part of the kind of the collection of it. So I think we could have the. We have the pool house guru, right, obviously. Right. We could expand that brand because he's very mysterious. I don't think he'd notice. Sure. Right, 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 right. So right. we had something like uh, pool house guru and the rules of emergency. I'm trying to think of things we can oh, just kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you want something that sounds good. The but emergency also, bylaws. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, but people yeah. listen to podcasts. They like they get it on a different level. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, Professor you know, Hercules and the Kevin Sorbos. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're. Uh, Joel Lee Osteen and the Time Traveling Cyborgs. Yeah, you know, exactly that's right. Really good yeah, it's very it's good. It's like a Hootie and the Blowfish kind of feel. It know, is. Right? It yeah. is. Well, <laughs> meaning one of these poor people will be called Joel Osteen for the rest of his life, much like poor Darius Rucker. <laughs> that's right. Well, <laughs> now here's a here's the thing we could do, you know, with the with the with the in jokes and whatnot. Yeah, that would be one of those things that's like. Uh, uh, it's like a gimmick mm-hmm. name because you gotta have a gimmick. Absolutely, the quite populars. Okay, that's very right. good. You know what I mean, that's I like that a lot. You know, that's uh, people will be into that. Yeah, because they're quite popular. Yes, they're, they got to be good if they're popular. Absolutely, that could not possibly be as a result of advertising. No, I don't even know where these wild <laughs> accusations are coming from. That's right. Everything that's popular is popular of, because it's good. It's a result of genius, Glenn. Genius. That's right. Uh, genius, sheer genius. Well, not, not a publicist. I think all of these are fantastic names, but I'm wondering if, in the true spirit of super fandom, maybe we should swing wide the floodgates okay. and let our other super fans right. submit their ideas for the ultimate name right. for the super fan band. Right. I mean, uh, the, do we care to make it interesting? Maybe oh. offer something for the... Uh, Winning submission. That's a good idea. Prizes and goods sure, we and... will uh, we will give you an indeterminate piece of say that swag. So I'm not sure what we still have on hand, but Ooh, it'll be something leftover swag. Something with Ooh. say that logo on it. Leftover swag. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what we can because like uh, we got. I think we have some hats. We got hats. Here's what. Here, this is what we could give Maybe. away. We could we could give away hats worn. By the everyone in the yes, podcast. we can. Like we each wear it. Yes, for like a month or something. Sure, absolutely. And then we send it to you. It's got our, it's got our essence right there in the hat. It's got our essence, y'all. <laughs> well, I feel confident in saying. So dandruff. We're giving away dandruff as a prize. <laughs> what's happening? The game is afoot. Help us name <laughs> our. I, it, it is. Help us name our super fan band. Super fan band! <laughs> but you have to come up with a name that's catchier than super fan band. I like that I yell that loud enough I can hear it echoing through <laughs> Lee's headphones. Yes, that's, again, as I've had to warn both of you at times, the thing connected to your head it's is a, a microphone. microphone. So help us out. Get an indeterminate piece of Say That Schwag. Um, I don't know. 
Well, I th- it's all good. I, but before we before we get out of the emergency segment, I have one other genre that I okay. feel we might need to explore very quickly. Um, Jed has a thing in his mind in his uh, thought life called rage projects. Yes, which is Jed's idea of if he ever had a billion dollars, these are just things he would make just to annoy the kind of people who care about these things. Right. Yes. So, uh, for example. A movie where the trailer is all hilarity, yeah, and the first ten minutes are the funniest thing ever, but then it becomes a dark French New Wave piece about ennui. Yes, right, right, right. So, but in this, in the sense of that, I think with with our naming convention of you know blank in the blanks, we get we because we've had a little fun at the expense of some uh, great Christian characters and mm-hmm. thinkers that we we think highly of. We think. Maybe people take just a bit seriously. Right. Okay. Right, right. So I'm thinking of John Calvin and the liberal theologies. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. 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 You're you're talking about the the Kurt Camerons in the non-threatening sweaters. That's yes. absolutely right. <laughs> yes, I like that. Well, there's always Joel and the Osteens. Joel and the Osteens. <laughs> Joel and the Osteens. Yeah. Josh and the first dates. Whoa! Oh, yes. Oh, that's a. That's a, that cuts a little deep, but yeah, 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 yeah. But just to give the people a chance, you know. I like names that sound like they might be vulgar, but they're not. You know, really? yeah. You enjoy like, that. Uh, Do you like that as much as just names that are vulgar? <laughs> I'm joling you in the Osteen, <laughs> something like that. You know, well, joling you in the Osteen. Well, that's what I get for extending the yep. emergency segment. That's really you on really me. Asked on for that, that basis, I declare help us name the superfan band super emergency band. off. Send your superfan band name suggestions to say that podcast at gmail.com. I'll joel you right. No, we've oh, gone past that. <laughs> that phrase only lives in the emergency segments. Just when anything you say in that voice sounds creepy. Nobody knows why. <laughs> I don't think it was only the voice in that case. <laughs> when people make that case, you would say like something that's not creepy in that voice. You said a creepy thing in the creepy voice. That's can't true. Just, can't be shocked when it sounds creepy. <laughs> It is odd how creepy that sounds. That's really not. Oh, my sweet heavens. Hey, hey Matt, transition yeah. to Bridgebox. Good luck. Well, I, I would guess that if you like the song we put on the end of the show, uh, this version of Standing on the Promises, that was a dramatic pause, not me flipping over my sheet to read the name to make sure you got it. I was getting, because I almost called it Leading on the Everlasting Arms, which is not the right song. Um, if you if you like it and you think to myself, you think to yourself, boy, I enjoyed listening to that. I'd love to have that in my iTunes library and my whatever Droid uses. I'd like to yes. be able to take that with me on the go, listen to it in maybe an MP3 format. Yes, I mm. all, I would bet my bottom dollar that some point in the next couple of months that song is going to show up on Bridgebox. Safe bet in a downloadable fashion. Ooh, you can have it. Take it with you wherever you go through the miracle of modern storage technology, mm-hmm. and that's that's goes for a lot of the music we we show on the podcast here with our Poolhouse Guru tracks, both our scripture memorization and our pastor remixes. A lot of great in, uh, music you get from Jed, from Lee, the original worship stuff we do at the bridge. If you want to have access to this in the back catalog, be able to download, take it with you, do what you want. 
That's that's Bridgebox. Oh, you have yeah. that? You, you you got a friend you think struggling with something who I think this this uh, him would really make him feel better? You send that off. You don't need our permission. That's yours. You have yeah. it though. Rock out. Same goes for the Bible studies. We got people leading small groups. I got a an email on my phone right here from uh, Brother David Sheerdwan down there in Charleston saying we're going to start up a small group based on an older Bridgebox. I'm going to send them some materials. Lots of good stuff. So check that out. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. And if you don't sign up for only $8 a month, which goes to support the ministry and Take, why don't you take a good long think about why you wouldn't want to do that? If you go to missionusa.com slash bridgebox, you get some free goodies to sample. All right. We're or on are you chicken? Are you chicken? Thank you. That's it's been a new, while since we had. It's a new marketing thing. Uh, <laughs> it's not new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taunting the audience. <laughs> that would not work in some arenas, though. Yeah. United Airlines, or are you chicken? <laughs> That's right. It's my. It's, we know how to market stuff. Absolutely, man. we're we're geniuses at this stuff. The airline for daredevils. <laughs> all right, we move on to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can touch this. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, "How do you know if you're ready to marry someone? I'm dating an awesome girl, and I want to get married to her, but am I rushing into it too soon? And Lee, you do a lot of premarital counseling. You deal with the young people." Why don't you help us out here? Um, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I would say that as far as in your case, this relationship, I don't know. But largely, this depends on what you think marriage is going to be. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a question a lot of folks ask. And it's an important question, to be sure. But the, the thing to know on this is that when most people ask this question, this question is actually a filler for a different question that they're thinking. Which the question that they're thinking is something along the lines is, so do you think our relationship is so strong where we can get married right now and never have any problems again for the rest of our lives? And the answer to that is a gigantic no. Um, yeah. Your relationship is not so strong that you can get married today and and uh, you won't have any problems. Your marriage will have problems because marriage is a difficult thing and marriage will not solve your issues. That you know the It's not going to make all the 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 rough places in your relationship just smooth out or anything like that because marriage is this complex relationship that takes all kinds of just like insane amounts of cooperation and patience and time and words and forgiveness and on and on. You have to walk with Jesus and you need his help and strength to do all of that. And when a lot of people ask this question that you're asking, uh, you may not be, but most people are really just saying, so do you think we're ready to just like get married and then everything will be awesome for the rest of our lives? No, you're not ready for that. But if you're saying, um, I'm ready to do all the work, I'm ready to to figure out what it means to to devote my life entirely to this person, to work together, to to form this team, to serve the Lord together, to to figure out what it means to live together, all that kind of stuff. That's an entirely different question. Now, I would say specifically, there are some specific things you want to look at. So in your specific relationship, you know, like, and, and this is the kind of thing that you want, like a pastor that knows you, a mentor, or, you know, a, a married couple with a great, you know, walk with the Lord and good marriage relationship you want them to help you look at is, you know, have you lived in the same town together for any amount of time? Do you have similar expectations about, um, you know, having kids? Do you, are you kind of on the same page about kind of, uh, you know, values for money and cars and houses that, you know, that kind of stuff, working, all that kind of stuff. So there's some like specific stuff that you want to talk about in looking at this 
are we ready to do this marriage thing? But as far as the the big broad sweeping question is, um, knowing that this is something that if you want it to be good, you have to devote everything you've got to it for the rest of your life. Are you are you wanting to spend the rest of your life teaming up with, working with, building a family alongside this woman, forsaking all others but her? I mean, it's insanely rewarding. It's awesome. It's it's hard work, and you can do it. But there's there's no shortcut to that. Do you want all that with this person? That's the that's the question here. Not we just want to make sure that the question is not. Do you think we're ready to to just kick this off and everything's going to be awesome from here on out? That doesn't exist. It's a lot of work, and you can do it, but you got to know what your expectations are. That's a really good place to start. And Glenn, maybe if we can get you to dig into some slightly more specifics, there are. As, as Lee's pointing out, this is it's you can't just say this is a relationship that is marriage ready and this is not. There are some specific questions we can ask that get us uh, closer to knowing whether or not we're ready to move forward, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, you can start with the big three: that's uh, money, sex, and in-laws. Uh, you know, uh, any of us who do. Whenever you go to a marriage counselor, those are the three things that they're going to want to talk about. That's exactly about. right. That's, mm. a, that's the first uh, sort of standard boilerplate uh, first three things. I thought the big three was Ford, GM, and Chevy. That explains a lot yeah. about my luck with the relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, money, sex, and in-laws. And so that's everything down to with, with money, of, as, as Lee mentioned, you know, uh, uh, our values of uh, how we want to spend money and what do we want to spend it on, uh, whether we're carrying debt. Uh, how we're going to handle bills, um, you know, how we're going to handle spending money, all those kinds of things. Uh, you have to work that out and and get that really down to the nitty gritty detail. Uh, uh, same thing with uh, sexual stuff. You know, you want to be able to have frank and honest conversations about that, likes, dislikes, turn ons, turn offs, uh, anything that's under the category of hang up or problem or struggle or dysfunctionality. Uh, you want to sort all that out before you get to uh, a marriage situation. Uh, and then in-laws. Uh, are, are we able to have a functional and healthy relationship with uh, the extended family? Uh, uh, some have some people are blessed to have the, a great family that are very supportive and helpful. The other 99% of us uh, have situations that require some attention. Uh, so uh, figuring out how to navigate that is important. As part of that, I think it's important for you to be mentored now as you're thinking about relationships. You might not be ready for a couple's counseling, kind of marriage counseling type stuff. But I think it is important to have a a male person that you can talk to about your relationship with this gal and say, you know, here are a few red flags I have or here are a few things or what have you. But can you tell me stuff maybe I'm not thinking of? Right, know. uh, you'd be surprised uh, uh, how uh, little people are actually open to coaching on this kind of stuff and, and how uh, unreliable they are on following through, even though they care a great deal about these relationships. Uh, I think the final thing I'd mention is uh, to look at, as a couple, how do you resolve the arguments that you have? Yeah. Uh, if you don't have any arguments at all, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that means that uh, we're, we're repressing a lot, and that's going to come out in a really bad way. Um, but is there? A, but I want to look at how are we fighting? Is yeah. there, for example, name calling? Mm-hmm. That's a big no-no right mm-hmm. there. There's a big difference between you're acting like a jerk and saying someone to someone you are a jerk. Yep. Those are very different situations. 
Uh, because if you say you're acting like a jerk, I mean you're not one, but you're acting like one. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a bit of a love and understanding even within a hard uh, confrontation on that. Uh, you know, is there passive aggressive stuff on that? Is there repressing of things? Is there sarcasm when we're trying to right. confront things? All of that overgeneralization. You always do X. Yeah. You never do that's, Y. That's my big thing. I'm always in the middle of an argument saying always and never. And I have to catch myself and say, nah, you know, it's not always. It's not always. It's just a lot. You yeah. know, it's, it's a it's a trend and let's address the trend. But yeah, you, those are the kinds of things I think you want to look at is uh, how are those conflicts resolved and how do you deal with that? I think it's fantastic. And Jed, if I get you to kind of take that concept further, because uh, Glenn mentioned the big three there, and there, was a, there are a number of other things that we want to look at as far as looking at, as uh, Lee pointed out, there's no really such thing as ready for marriage, but there are healthy ways we deal with the big things and healthy ways we don't. What are the kind of things that give us an indicator of where we are on that? Well, that's a great question. I think... Um... I think one of the number one things is just, are you able to have a functional conversation about this? And let's, let's define what that word means. It doesn't mean that you enjoy the conversation. Uh, if you don't right. have very much money, no one enjoys talking about what we're going to do with the very little money we have. Right, right, so that's, right. that's not it. Um, and if you grew up, you know, so for example, for me, I grew up in a culture and a household with crazy weird hangups about anything sexual. So, right. you know, it's not about saying, you know, we're able to talk about sex and we're completely comfortable and at right. peace. That, <laughs> right, that's, right. that's not it. But a functional conversation is we are both able to be honest and vulnerable. We are both able to state what we think and feel and have that heard and respected by the other person. We are able to negotiate some form of compromise between and, and overlap between these two positions, and we are able to therefore create a roadmap and a strategy of what we will do moving forward based on this discussion. Right. That's a functional conversation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it has to be fun. That doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean that you have to feel completely comfortable with every part of it, because that's not really realistic for a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff, but it's functional. That's that's the key thing. So, for example, when we talk about money, you know, most young couples have very little money. So let's assume that for a second. When we talk about money, am I able to say, you know, I really care about football and it's really important to me that we have enough of a cable package that I'm able to watch college football, you know, in, in the fall. Mm -hmm. And I know you don't care about football at all, but can you get that I care about it and can we figure something out around that? Are we able to have that conversation? Mm -hmm. Are we able to talk about that? And, and, and you say how you feel, and she says how she feels, and neither is beating up on the other, neither mm -hmm. is demeaning or putting down the other. We're able to land on a place we can both live with and that kind of thing. If we're able, if we're able to have those conversations, then we're doing great. Right. Um, if we're learning how to have those conversations, then we're pointed in the right direction. Yeah. If we're not able to successfully have those conversations... We're not ready for marriage, right? Um, right, right, right. Because uh, because that's that's really the thing. Now, your ability to get better at having those conversations will will increase. But if the majority of the time with money, sex, and in laws, those conversations end in a screaming argument, we don't want to proceed to marriage just yet. We we want to get to a place, even if they're not fun, where those conversations are productive. They are functional. We're able to you know, hear each other and craft a strategy based on that. Absolutely right. I think it's a lot of good stuff. I think one of the things all three of these guys are pointing to, and these all three guys with very good marriages and the kind you want, is that this is not a status thing. Yeah. This is a skills thing. Exactly. Yes. 
This is not the, and you may have mentioned that no one mentioned, well, how much do you love each other? Yeah. Are you just, uh-huh. you just dedicated to each other? You just, uh-huh. is she just your sun and stars? She's, She's not, my moon. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to quote an actual, to quote an actual person from the bridge, I was giving right somewhere. I mean, she tried to have me killed, but she's still my world. She's still my world, Matt. She paid that guy to kill me, sure, but that's that's just a that's just a bump on the road to love. Yeah, that's right. So one of the things we're talking about here is again, uh, as you've heard these guys say many times, marriage is for grown people. Yeah, this is an adult thing. This is a serious thing. So this is not an idea of there's nothing that's going to paper over these kind of communication problems and um, relationship uh, dynamic uh, kind of funks other than working on it directly. So maybe one of the best indications of whether or not you're ready to get married is whether or not you're both, pardon me, whether or not you're both ready to put in the work that it takes to overcome whatever problems you have. Because these guys are pointing out, oh, you have problems. Yep. You do. And the the problem is probably not that you don't have the requisite amount of emotional attachment to each other. Yes. The problem is probably uh, you're both super screwed up. Right. And your relationship dynamic has some serious problems because you've never been in this kind of relationship they were before because uh, if, you're, if you haven't been married before, you've never been in this. And uh, for, for going kind of a, a some of the terrible kind of situation where someone died, even if you were in a previous marriage... Um, you don't want this one to be like that one. So you've yeah. never been in this kind of relationship before. Yeah. So this is something to look at, but it is about a set of skills and a lot of non-romantic things, which going into setting up the ability to have a great kind of love-filled romantic marriage. We move on to our second question here. It comes in an answer our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Why do I feel so worthless when it comes to comparing myself with my friends? They have great jobs, work really long hours, and are making tons of money. Me, on the other hand, I have a good job too, but it's fairly standard 9 to 5. I don't really have to work on the weekends or the evenings, but don't make as much money as they do. I'm content with my life, but watching them push their careers forward makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. To be frank, even less manly. What do I do? And Glenn, I'd love to get you to kind of start us off here in this idea of someone who is... In a vacuum, seem would say I'm content with what I'm doing, right? But when I look at other people, it makes me feel not that way. Yeah. So is that just kind of one of these things where, well, comparison is thief of joy. Don't worry about it. Or is this right. indicating something that might be there? How do we look at that? Right. Uh, your friends have really crappy jobs. <laughs> really, really, really crappy jobs, and those jobs are also not uh, the 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 people who manage them, the their supervisors, etc don't do a good job with with them. Uh, Every study ever shown of every productivity and efficiency, anything in the workplace, says after eight hours of work in a day, the quality falls off the table. I mean, it is astronomically lower at that point. It is literally a waste of time and energy uh, of uh, of gross and hideous proportions to have someone working around the clock week in week out right. so it's not uh, and they and they again people are not happy doing that now if you have someone who is Glenn, are these studies done by any chance in france 
<laughs> are these good, hardworking Americans? Right. Studies? That's yeah. I well, prefer freedom studies. <laughs> yes. I yeah. Absolutely. Now uh, that might be different if this is someone who's doing Doctors Without Borders and they work long hours at something extremely yeah. satisfying. That that's their yes. Yeah, so if or if you're just doing your med school residency, it's, right? You know, exactly. Twelve right. hour shifts might be the thing. Absolutely right. Uh, but if if you have a job where there's a boss who thinks he's really getting the good stuff after the twelve hours, and you're at some level of hallucinogenic, uh, yeah. you know, whatever exhaustion, uh, that's not a good job. Uh, I I reject utterly the idea that someone who spends a lot of time at work equals they are doing something substantial. Yeah, uh, that's that generally does not hold up. Uh, you. Probably don't know. Uh, I, probably your friends don't work as many hours as I do. I, I work uh, 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 way too many, and I wouldn't suggest to you the most significant thing about what I do is the number of hours I work. That would yeah. just be absurd. Uh, your friends have crappy jobs, and uh, based on that, the uh, based on the fact that the job is crappy and it's consuming most of their life, they have crappy lives. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about having a crappy life is. Don't compare your life to someone who has a crappy life because yeah. you're not going to get any useful information yeah. out of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, this person is working long hours. I'm not. Does that mean I'm really just not uh, whatever? The, you can't come. If you're watching someone, you, know, you see somebody, they're, they're on, on the TV, they're famous, and they're, they're whatever. And you compare your life to them, and you think, well, you know, compared to this person, I'm not doing that well. If if you've seen a certain number of uh, celebrities and uh, musicians and so forth that find themselves caught up in a web of addiction because that life is that miserable, you can't compare your life to that person's life because that person's life is miserable. It's dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not a happy life. Yep. If you want to know how am I doing, find someone who has a happy life, someone who's happy with their life. And compare your life to theirs. Yeah. Is my life as meaningful and fulfilling as that person's life is? You may find that it isn't, and you may have a, a, a sense of how to change that based on the way that other person's life goes. So I think it's really about... It, it, the comparison thing is a, a, a bad idea, generally speaking, but the idea of comparing yourself to someone who does not have it all together is even worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And Jed, I'd love to get you to kind of uh, pick up for us here on an idea of just because there's an a certain arena in life is where what triggers you kind of questioning things does not mean the answer lies in there. If you look around at uh, your friends' lives and think, well, maybe I'm do not doing anything, it's possible that the answer is not job-related, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, let's take everything Glenn was saying for a second. And let's say your friend is doing Doctors Without Borders. Um, and they just are totally just, they love it and they're totally satisfied doing it. And it's just, it's amazing. In other words, let's say for a second, they are one of those happy people where it's like, okay, well, there's a the thing here. you you may not be a physician. So what's the thing that you care about? That may not in any way be job related, but what are the things that make you feel alive? What, what are the things that, that say that's, that's worth my time and energy. That's worth me getting out of bed in the morning. And then pursue those things. You know, right. if, if you if you were to compare yourself to 100 happy people, here, here's what you would find they all have in common. They have things they really care about that are really important to them that they find meaningful, and they pursue those things full throttle. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you would find if you looked at 100 happy people. There's nothing to stop you from doing that. Um, the fact that 
someone else is or isn't is, is not relevant. But what what is meaningful and significant to another person wouldn't necessarily be true for you. So it's it's kind of an apples to oranges thing. But if you're you say you're content, but kind of almost everything about the question you're asking says you're you're not. And and I think what's really at the core of what you're asking is I feel like there's something missing and I'm not sure what it is. The, the odds are it's not necessarily a career thing, but it may be a thing of I want I want more sense of meaning and yeah. significance in my life. You know, right, I, right. I want to feel like my life matters. I want to feel like I'm, you know, uh, doing something here. Well, do that then. Find mm-hmm. things that are meaningful and significant to you. Uh, that will probably revolve around serving other people in some way, shape, or form. But um, But investigate things. Try things out, you know. Look for that tuning fork that resonates inside of you. And when you find it, go after those things. It doesn't in any way need to be job-related. But here's the key thing. Here's why I say all that. When you find the things that bring you to life and you pursue them, you won't care what anybody else is doing. Right. You, right. Just, you just won't. Yep. It won't. It won't make any difference to you. And that's the place that we want you to wind up. We, we want you to get into a life that you are fully invested in a place where comparing yourself to other people, would just be, why, why would I do that? Yeah, right. That's that's what we want for you, and that's what the Lord wants for you. I think that's absolutely right. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close us out on this by kind of uh, exploring that. I think part of what can give people false positives on this kind of thing is exactly what Jed's talking about, of saying, well, I look around and, you know, I'm in this situation that makes me feel like maybe I'm doing not doing enough. But then I look at my job, and I'm happy with my job, and I'm happy with how much money I make. <laughs> so uh, clearly everything is fine, so I don't know what's going on here. What this is definitely one of those situations where we need to do a bit of a fuller, as our friends in recovery would say, fearless mortal inventory. Yeah. But what does that look like to just kind of start poking at stuff and seeing how we feel about everything? Yeah, I think uh, it's exactly the way that you kind of ended in, in describing it is you have a lot of feelings about this stuff. You look at somebody else's life and you're like, and what am I missing? You know, exactly as Jed said, there's so there's so much that you can do outside of your career and all that kind of stuff. But when you're just sitting in the middle of all your feelings about it, it's just impossible to kind of see your way out of it. It's just this gigantic ball of feelings. I mean, we can tell you stuff like like Matt, you were saying at the beginning of the question, the whole comparison is the thief of joy. Well, that's true. Um, We can also tell you that there's that having contentment in the job you work. That's a really cool thing. That's a very biblical thing. That's also true. We can also tell you that there's nothing spiritually, um, you know, there's nothing holy or biblical about, you know, advancement in your career or anything like that. That's also true. But you can't just take our word for that kind of stuff necessarily. Some of those things you're actually going to have to figure out through some experiences. And one of the experiences that I would suggest is, like I'm saying, you got this big ball of emotions as you look around at other people's lives. Well, just for just kind of a thought experiment, go ahead, take a piece of paper and just start listing out everything about their lives that you think you want. Just mm-hmm. just write it all down. Don't judge any of that. Don't don't be hard on yourself. If it's even if it even if you think it's like, "Oh, this is weird. I'm just kind of like listing out my jealousies." Just do it. Just list it yeah. all out. And then take a look at that list, and as honest, honestly as you can, invite the Lord into that process. Even if you think this is kind of weird and there's some jealousy going on here, and jealousy is probably not right, so maybe Jesus doesn't want to be in this meeting. He does, I assure you. Go ahead and invite him into the whole process, and then just start looking at this. Well, what do I actually care about on this list of things I'm supposedly jealous or I supposedly have all these feelings about? What are some things, can you cross anything off the list, off the top, that like, I know I don't ever want this to be in my life? 
Uh, I've tried some of this before. I'm not interested in it. And then all of a sudden, this big, huge, overwhelming ball of emotions becomes something that we can actually get our get our teeth around, you know, something that we can actually look at and, and is more manageable. Oh, I actually don't want that. Or I don't have time for that. I don't need that in my life. And then before too long, you might actually have a list of a few things that you're like, you know, I, what I've discovered in looking at this is I would like to take some dancing lessons and, uh, yeah. and, and I'd like to get a better car, you know? And it's, those are, maybe those are some of the things that you find out. I, I'm just making stuff up or whatever. But then now what you do is you take that new refined list of stuff you actually do want or you actually think you'd, you'd be interested in moving towards. And now we make some strategy for moving towards those specific things. Now, that's a whole different way to do this than just, you know, just sitting there with a blanket wrapped around you and your feelings, you know, of yeah, just right, this right. overwhelming thing of my life sucks. And then you look at it and you're like, actually, I like my job. Why do I feel like my life sucks? So let's right. just look at a little bit of this at a time, but we can't do any of that if we're not willing to be honest about the fact that there's some stuff I want. I'm going to invite the Lord in there to kind of steer this process. And then let's kind of strategize finding out some of this stuff. I assure you, Jesus wants you to have some fun stuff in your life, some, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you'll learn some of these deeper truths about comparison, about, uh, uh, about contentment, uh, about, uh, about advancement and all that kind of stuff. You'll learn some of those deeper truths by experience as you start to honestly look at what do I really want and what are I, what do I not actually care about? Yeah. I think it's really good stuff. Also, I have to ask, is it too late to put in feelings blanket for the name of the band? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's been not. submitted. Okay, I'm, I'm putting well, that Well, see, I didn't Look. tell you guys, but I had a secret plan to name the band. I wanted to wait until later to divulge my secret plan. That's oh, very I see. Good. That's, That's very, very secret. Uh, oh, very, it's, very presidential. But here's the thing. Uh, real quick, last thought. Absolutely. Super quick. I think a lot of people get into this kind of uh, thinking because they feel like they've already sort of missed the boat on on doing something substantial and important for the kingdom. So they're looking at other things in their lives. And uh, here, I, I want to address that because I think that might free up a lot uh, in, in this area. I saw an interview once with uh, the actor Ed Begley Jr. And as you may know, he's really big into the environmental stuff. That's kind of his passion of what he's into and and he was on this uh, tv show and, and they were asking him about his house and it he has uh, solar panels and all kinds of high-tech uh, ecologically whatever and it was just amazing all the stuff he was talking about and the the person uh, that was doing the interview said well but for somebody out there that wants that cares about the environment wants to get into this how where on earth do they start compared to what all you're doing and he says wait a second wait a second it took me, you know, uh, uh, 40 years to build up to where I am. You don't start where I am. That's the wrong way to think of it. He said, get a recycling bin. That's yeah. it. Just get a recycling bin. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Once you get that put in there and you're doing it and you got a system and you like your system, yeah. then you get a rain barrel. And here's the thing. When you collect the rain in the rain barrel, you use the rain barrel to water the plants. Now you're saving money on your water bill and you're doing helping the environment. Everybody wins. And he's talking about just one little mm -hmm. thing that you add and add and add. That's the attitude we want you to take towards having a life where you're contributing towards the kingdom. Yep. Start small. Yes. It's absolutely fine. Any little thing does make a difference. And then little by little, you can learn how to build on that and expand on it. But 
don't be discouraged by that little small beginning there. That's fantastic. Also, with the Ed Bagley Jean reference, I would also like to put down Frantic Googling for a band name. <laughs> Everybody loves Frantic Googling. Their new record's amazing. Absolutely. All right, move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr box and it says, Hi, I was just wondering how, how you can tell the difference between being generous and giving and when you can't do that anymore. Should we carry on loving a person even if they don't treat us with love or even unintentionally cause hurt? And Jed, why don't you start us off here? Well, I'm going to answer your question, but first, I'm sorry that someone's being uncool to you. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a bummer. And, and all of us are, and, and we love you, and we want to help. So here's the big picture answer to your question. Um, the Bible, this is in the second half of the Bible. It's a book called 2 Corinthians, this is chapter 9, verse 7. It says the following, The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Uh-huh. Okay, here's what that means. When you're being called on to give and you find you can't be cheerful about it, something is going wrong. Yep. <laughs> that is a warning sign that we need to uh, take a second and figure out what the deal is. If people are... If you're giving into the life of another person, you're being generous towards another person, um, and you are you find a sense of joy in that, you find a sense of satisfaction in that, that's great. That's fantastic. As, as it says, the Lord loves that. And the mm -hmm. Lord smiles on that. But when you start to feel like, maybe I'm getting taken advantage of here, maybe I'm getting taken for a ride, maybe they don't really appreciate me, uh, we actually really want to pay attention to those feelings, mm -hmm. like a lot. What unfortunately happens around a lot of religious stuff, a lot of church stuff, a lot of Christian stuff, is people have a way of saying, well, those feelings are bad. It is good to be generous. Those feelings are getting in the way of me being generous. Therefore, they are bad. Pretend you don't have them right. and keep that's, being generous. That's right. And that's called repression. Mm -hmm. uh, it's bad. Yeah. You can do that for a while, uh, but mm -hmm. eventually... Uh, your mind is going to rebel and say, yeah, no, I don't think so. Right. I'm, I'm deeply unhappy here. The actual godly way to deal with it is very similar to what Lee was describing in the last question, which is when you start saying, I'm not, I don't feel very cheerful about this anymore, start addressing that immediately. Start writing down or telling another person, here's how I actually feel. Here's what's good. I feel like this person doesn't really appreciate me, and I feel like they're not really there for me in the way they should be, and I feel like I do for them, but they're not thankful for it, and you know, some of it they're just wasteful with, and I don't know. Start getting feedback from other people that aren't in that situation. It's a good thing to talk to a pastor about, talk to a mentor about. You might find you know, people, it's a very good thing to talk to the Lord about and ask him for wisdom. You might find that people come back to you and they say, no, you just have kind of a bad attitude about this. But you come by it honestly and it makes mm -hmm. sense. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's an investment. They're, the person you're helping is going to get where they're going. It actually, there's, there's more fruit than you can see and it's this, so don't give up. That sometimes happens. Mm -hmm. But what sometimes happens is you tell this pastor and this mentor and you pray about it. And the information that comes back to you is, oh, no, this is a very bad situation where you are definitely getting taken advantage of. You should stop that immediately. And now you know. Right. And knowing, not only is it half the battle, knowing means that you can take the step that you need to take without a sense of guilt about mm -hmm. it. And, and that's the thing that we want for you. We want you to make wise decisions, but we want you to do that with peace and without a sense of guilt. And so owning the feelings that you have when you're not able to be a cheerful giver anymore getting some good feedback from people you trust and from the Lord and figuring out, is there a problem here? And then making some decisions based on that will allow you to act both with wisdom and with peace. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love to get you to take a look at the other angle on this, which is 
Um, when some, and this goes back to a lot about what we were talking about in our last episode where we were looking at kind of the family situation, which is, uh, dealing with someone who is unintentionally causing hurt. Mm. And, uh, again, we talked, again, you can go back to our last episode. We talked a lot about that kind of the difference between, um, behavior and motive. But in this kind of situation where you're helping someone out and that unintentional hurt can even happen kind of over a course of time. It's not even necessarily one big misbehavior. What are the, what are the kind of things we should be looking at for in that situation? Well, one of the things that I would say there is that, you know, when you look at what the New Testament says about love, one of the things it does say is that, you know, to love someone is to believe in them. You know, you, you believe uh, you you believe things about this person. You believe that they intend well. It's it's a kind of a generosity of spirit. So, you know, you you want to give people the benefit of the doubt if they if they can allow you to do that with their behavior. And sometimes people do unintentionally hurt you. And there is a way for you to because what you want to do in the midst of really loving somebody is, uh, you 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 know, this generosity of spirit doesn't extend to the to the level where you are just taking people's mistreatment or abuse or something like that. Mm. That's not the same thing as loving. That's enabling somebody to be a jerk. And so, you know, even if they don't mean to or whatever. And so there is actually a way for you to be able to set healthy boundaries in a friendship and in different kinds of relationships while also believing the best about them. And, you know, you can have, um, and it takes some guts, but you can have a conversation, maybe that sounds something like this, where you say, you know, um, the the we need to have a conversation because the way that you spoke to me in this conversation last week or whatever i need you to know that that hurt me and now i i, I want to bring this up because i i think this was an unintentional thing i don't think you meant to hurt me I, I, and and i want to give you the benefit of the doubt on that but i want to let you know just so that you know where we stand now at this point since we've talked about it now i i don't believe it was an intentional thing but since we've talked about it now you know so any further infraction would you know i'd i'd be forced to believe it was intentional that you were actually trying to hurt me for, from here on but see with that kind of a conversation you've given them a lot of respect you've you've issued some respect out and you have given them uh you know there's a lot of generosity that you're playing there but you're also setting a very firm boundary by saying i I'm not going to put up with this kind of behavior and we're going to both talk about it out loud and I'm going to set this so that's so that I'm not enabling you to be a jerk but I'm also being generous. And so there's a this is a way for you to not continue in an abuse and that's just an example but you can you can be a person with a generous spirit that gives people a lot of respect and dignity even if you even if they are unintentionally hurting you but you're setting the boundary that says we can't continue in this kind of behavior. That's a lot of really smart stuff. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to close out on this by looking at a couple of things. Uh, one would actually goes back to the first uh, question we had here about marriage, which is um, some of these misconceptions of kind of loving someone, what it means to love them, what it means to love them the way Jesus does, which I've before. And I think one of the co- most common of those is loving someone means putting up with whatever they're willing to throw at you, <laughs> right. which could not be more wrong. So that's that, right. What do we replace that with as a healthy idea? Well, there there certainly has to be a sense of confrontation, but I think that based on the way you're framing that question, I think a lot of people feel as though love and confrontation can't really go together, you know, that those two are somehow exclusive from one another. That's actually not true. Or at the very least that um, a conf- if confrontation is necessary, that means this relationship is worse off. Uh, there was right. a really good 
friendship, marriage, um, mentor relationship, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. So right. confrontation isn't of, of in an, initiating a confrontation is in and of itself a defeat. Right. Well, and see, I think the the problem that both Lee and Jed were trying to illustrate here is that. Uh, we're talking about situations where things have gotten out of control. So maybe it's important for us to recognize the whole goal is to confront someone before it gets out of control. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, when you do that, it's a whole lot more pleasant and easy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's a lot easier to, to mix the love in. Uh, to, be, to be deadly honest with you, uh, I have the kind of uh, very uh, frustrating and overwhelming and uh, whatever sort of life uh, to where... If I repressed all the the people that bugged me mm-hmm. and held that inside of me, I would explode with rage from sure. trying to do that. Uh, so essentially, if you know me and you bug me, you hear about it as you're bugging me. That's <laughs> how that happens. If if you if you know me and you wonder, am I bugging Glenn? The answer is no, because I haven't said anything. Yeah. If I've said something, then you know, and that's yep. how that is. Sometimes people, it comes preemptively. Sometimes Glenn will come there and go, "Don't even with." That. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely true. Uh, that you know, uh, everyone that uh, uh, all the Lutherans that I've ever been in a meeting with know that this better, meeting better be short because you Lutherans love a long meeting and you drive me nuts with that. Whatever, I will say it out loud. They know that. That's how I feel about it. Um, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be a jerk. But I'm I'm making sure you know I don't say something behind your back that I wouldn't say to your face. I'm letting you know, uh, you know, I've only got so much patience. Don't burn through it with this long meeting. You know, yep. uh, that's how this uh, that's how this works. I'm thinking of a specific example. Uh, uh, we won't we won't uh, mention names and embarrass anybody. But I was in a certain church, uh, and I was talking to the pastor of this church, and it's important for you to recognize, uh, for the purpose of the story, the pastor of this church was not of the Caucasian persuasion. Uh, but we're 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 having a conversation, and um, just having a pleasant interaction there. And uh, there was a a, a a member of the church who was kind of frustrated and kind of overwhelmed, and was dealing with a lot and trying to handle a, a lot. It was kind of just past their limits. And uh, the pastor was saying goodbye to me, and he was going to leave. And the, the, the woman, the church lady, yelled at him in a way that was probably sort of accidentally very mean. Just You, you know how when you say something mean, but it, you didn't mean it to sound as mean right. as it sounded? That it came out this, this like a really loud, really harsh, are you going to leave without saying goodbye to me and giving me a hug? You know, is what she said. Yeah. And it was it was <laughs> it was very very intense. And the pastor stopped. He pulled up, completely calm look on his face. And he says, "Yes, I'm going to uh, give you a hug. No, I'm not going to leave without a, uh, giving you a hug. You come over here. You give me a hug. And on the way over, screw your face on straight." <laughs> now here's the thing. She did exactly what these guys did. She laughed when he said that because she knew she was wrong. Yep. And she knew that he was being loving within that answer. He was saying, I want to give you a hug. I will be here for you. You have to uh, (laughs) unclench your behind cheeks and come over here with a better attitude than that. Uh, So there's a very, uh, that's as intense a confrontation as you can give. 
but it was done with so much love yeah. that it, it sort of broke the spell of that situation. Yeah. And now he's a, and she, you know, she's saying, "I didn't mean it like that. I'm just frustrated." I know, I know. It's a, you know, it's it's a frustrating situation. I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. It's all good. You know, it gives him a chance to be loving and sweet. So I think that that recognize that if you're being hurt, as you say in this question, it's time to 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 speak up. Uh, it's it's time to let that be said. If you can find a way to say that lovingly and quickly, that's the best. You know, that's very sharp, man. And it, it really makes me think, it relates to a lot of stuff we talked about this episode, and it relates a lot to stuff we talked about actually last week as well. Our culture has very little understanding of the idea that love means sometimes saying, hey, bro, that's not it. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, because we have, we have two extremes. We have being the sin police... Right. That thing you're doing is a sin. I don't know if you know, but it's right. a sin. Everybody already knows. Don't be the sin police. That's right. And we have the idea love means never pointing anything out right. ever. Right. Right? Right. Right. The truth is, in my life, I am the person I am today because a number of people who cared about me at key moments came to me and said, hey, buddy, you know I love you. That thing you're doing is not it. That's right. right. That's that's not working, man. That saved you from yourself in a sense. Oh, my goodness. Right. I, dude, I don't want to think what my life would be today. Um, well, and in our work in the city, in many ways, it saved you from other people. Yeah. Very literal and real ways. Yes, right. exactly right. But, you know, it's funny. I think our culture just doesn't have a conception of that. Yeah. But, but, but this is the thing that we're describing is that love means... Taking someone off the side, they're not embarrassed, is right, calm, right, measured right. tones, but hey man, you know I love you. That's not it. That's you know, right. the thing you said, the way you did that, you're better than that. And it's not gonna don't don't be like that, man. Right, you right. know. That, and I know you're frustrated, I know you're dealing with a lot, you know. Exactly that, right. I understand about that, but man, you gotta you gotta throttle back, dude. Exactly right. Yeah. There's there's an art to doing that, there's a skill to doing that, there's mm-hmm. a time and a place for it, there's a relational context that needs to be, you know, there for it to happen mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if all those things are placed, that's what love drives you to do. Yeah. That's to not do that is to not be loving. Yeah. And there's right. no way around that. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One of the things that kind of fuels on it, something we talked about before on the show is this idea of uh, which is true, loving people, the you're supposed to love people the way Jesus loved us. That's in the Bible. Um, it's impossible to do that exactly. And what that does not mean, as Jed's pointing out, is just uh, putting up with whatever someone wants to do and saying, you know, I think you're trying your best. I think that's great. I don't know about anybody else. That's actually not the way Jesus deals with me. Yeah. I get a lot right. of yeah. uh, divine, I wouldn't. <laughs> don't go over there and say that. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Why would you try to do that? Oftentimes I get that in the voice of Glenn or Jed, but sometimes yeah. it comes directly That's right. That's through right. the spirit and prayer. Um, if you look at Matthew 18, Jesus actually gives a clear way to deal with someone uh, wronging you in the church. And he says, go to them, point it out. If they stop doing it, bring someone with you. Uh, it's a very good idea if we're in the context of a church or something to have that be a pastor or someone, you know, mm-hmm. get some advice and, and go deal with that. And then if they still don't want to go that, it says to treat them as a, you, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. It's worth doing with that. I think we've broken this down in the podcast for maybe the sermon of the British, but it's worth digging into what that means. Jesus did not hate pagans and tax collectors. He did not judge them. He did not cut off any uh, interaction with them, but he did not welcome them into the inner circle. He did yeah. not continue to build into their lives. He, when, he, he went, when he went to someone like Levi, who was a tax collector, that dude started making changes yeah. and then mm-hmm. hung out with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, he did not just stay tax collecting. He left the money change, uh, the uh, tax table. Yeah, the, he left yeah. the money change table. Zacchaeus came down and promised to repay everyone. There, mm-hmm. There's a change of acknowledgement there's wrong. So when you say, uh, we'll get back to this, when you say, you know, I'm, be, I'm trying to be generous and giving, and then I feel like I don't have any of that left. 
that is, as to go back, all the way backwards I started that, that is an indication of a problem, and it's not probably not a problem with you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, there's, as we talked about this in the last episode, too, a little bit, Christians, and it's a white Christian culture thing, are very quick to jump to, I probably have a bad attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, oddly enough, as four people who deal with a lot of church people, uh, the situations where the problem is actually their bad attitude, they will never actually admit to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But anything where the problem is someone else, they'll get, the guilt it's will drive you, too. It's a problem probably just have a bad attitude about it. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, that, that may even be true, but do you have a bad attitude because someone has been crapping on you constantly? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In that case, the problem in this situation is actually not your bad attitude. So we right. can look at, say... You know, there's there's something there's a there's a there's a diagnosable problem with this machinery, and what is it? And some of it is probably that there's uh, something going on here in this uh, interaction that shouldn't be there. That might be something you're doing, but odds are it's not. So right. don't be afraid to look at that, and don't think that's um, you being unchristlike or not loving mm-hmm. people the way Jesus' love comes does not come with. There's a whole, Jesus love doesn't come with any limits or boundaries. It super does. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually how that works. And yours are supposed to as well. Yeah. yeah. Thank God he's stopped me from hurting myself so many times. I yeah. Say. yeah. Absolutely. All right. So that's a lot of really good stuff. Great questions this week. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Don't forget, we mentioned it last week. If you're, uh, if you're up at 3 a.m. Central Time, you can tune into qrockonline.com and catch our actual over the airwaves radio yeah. show Woo! the bridge loud if you're a person who lives a responsible life and is not up at 3 a.m on saturday and a sunday you can also check that out on the bridge loud podcast feed find that in itunes or at the bridge and hey just for fun we also have the bridge podcast comes out every monday sermons from our bridge service lots of cool music that jed and lee put together for us you can find all that stuff and uh, always check uh, check out the home for all our uh, online stuff being facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago. Head on over there. Give that a like and be caught up with all the stuff we're doing online. We're going to check out the song this week. This is Standing on the Promises from our as yet unnamed super fan band. So we hope you enjoy that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast featuring the super fan band all across the land on tour in a car. Maybe a van. Oh, yeah. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through the ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God.
Cause I'm telling you right now that he is good for it Every single promise he has made to us is yes of Jesus yeah. And so we lift our voices high to give him glory Preach it, I'm in glory, hallelujah Let me tell you 